Hi, and welcome to the Denmark Game Changers podcast, the weekly podcast focusing on Denmark and the Nordic startup tech ecosystem. I'm your host, James Digby, and we'll discuss insights with founders, VCs, leading figures from corporate tech giants and the governmental sector to give you a snapshot and to find out what will change the game for Denmark and the Nordic startup scene. In this week's episode, we're joined by Sikalina Ask, the former head of community at Rainmaking, to hear her thoughts and experiences of building a vibrant startup scene from an empty shell. Taking a reflective look into the Danish startup ecosystem, we delve into what can make or break a thriving community. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode. This week, I've got a very special guest with me. It's Sikalina Ask. And the theme of today is all about community and building community. So Sikalina, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Of course, anytime. So Sikalina, you have been part of the community and, and building up the community over at Talangana Rainmaking for, for a while. What was it like at the beginning when you, when you kind of first stepped in? What, what, I think in the beginning it was super overwhelming. You meet these, what, 350 people right off and you don't know anybody anybody's name and you got to completely start from scratch by greeting everybody, saying hi to everybody and then slowly working your way into building a community. But you know nobody there. Which is super terrifying. So you have to be the one that kind of just jumps in and and says hello to absolutely everyone from, yes. from the very get-go, right? Yes. I mean, that takes that must take a very special type of person to do that. I, I mean, it's really daunting. Even if you're speaking in front of 350 people, you don't have to say hello to 350 people. Yeah. How does that work? I mean... Well, so you... You're absolutely right. you you got to have the courage to to just say hi to everybody even though it's like monday morning and you're tired and and all that um and you just gotta like go in there because they are not gonna come to you so you gotta like go to them and say hi i'm the new person here my name is shaglina i'm supposed to build this community i have no idea what i'm doing but you gotta stick with me because this is gonna be fun right yeah um but but you you have to like go and meet them because they're not going to meet you, especially because they're super busy focusing on their own businesses and their little world. And you're the one who's hired to build the community between, uh, between these guys. So yeah. you are the person who has to take the first step. So when you first came in, was there a community manager before you? No, there was a person uh, who did a bit of events and because she was there from the beginning, she also was sort of like she had grown into a bit of a community manager position, but that was not what she wanted to be. She wanted to do events full time. Uh, so that's when they brought me in to focus 100% on building the community. And, you know, what actually, why don't we, even before we go into this, how was it beforehand? What did you do? How did you even get into this um, crazy world of community and, and building up networks? Um, I had, uh, both, a, I have a bachelor and a master's from, from CBS. Um, and I just think I realized when I finished my, my master thesis that I was supposed to work with people and not with 
documents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I needed to go out and explore what that was like or how this position could be. And I was unemployed for half a year trying to figure out what I wanted with my life. Um, and then I came across this job description and it just had my name written all over it. I'm not sure what exactly it was that ignited the fire, but it just had my name written all over it. So I applied and luckily I got the job. And that's when I for real started to build relationships and build networks between people. Yep. I, I'd done it for half a year when I lived in London. I worked with the Danish UK Chamber of Commerce. Okay. And that's when we did a bit of relationship building and networking um, between Danish and and English companies. Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't that on the ground. It was more behind a computer screen. Whereas <laughs> Where the this, real networking happens, yeah, right? <laughs> I know, I know. LinkedIn, Twitter, you know. <laughs> um, so um, so I, ne I, I knew that I needed to go out and be surrounded by people and do this on ground. So, you know, so you've come into this space and, and you've kind of taken it onto your own. I mean, what elements do you feel that you kind of brought to um, building the community? I mean, it, because it's tough, as you're saying, that they're busy people. They don't have time to do these things. And I'm pretty sure if, if every engineer has his way, they will get their head down and do their work to the very best of their ability, but never have to look up. Yeah. Um, what does it take? I mean, do you have to drag people to a PlayStation and say play together or, you know, eat together or what was it? It was very much uh, a trial and error phase uh, because I came in, I had no idea who these people were. I knew that they were introvert. They were developers. Um, so they were very like head in the in, in the computer screen and just like <laughs> working away. Um, so I had to break down a lot of barriers. Yeah. And I had to do a lot of uh, like coffee machine, water cooler conversations with these guys. I was going to say, was it just like a trail of Red Bull cans out, <laughs> out the door? <laughs> like follow uh, Club Mate, like follow it, this. <laughs> you would think, but they drink more coffee than they drink Red Bull and energy okay. drinks, actually. So that was just a stereotype. Then. It was. So it I was, apologize yeah. to all you engineers there. <laughs> and they're not all 100 pounds overweight. <laughs> <laughs> and drink yeah. Cokes. They don't all wear glasses either? Not all of them, no. That is, You'd be surprised. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So we're breaking some down of them some actually, stereotypes right, right here today. <laughs> some of them are pretty cute. So <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't think. Yeah. Developers, of course, do come from all walks of life, right? And as we're, as with yeah. uh, all, all other people, and and we we jest, but uh, but I mean, it's tough, right? It's tough. To, you know, guessing the the marketing people in general, stereotypes aside, are more yeah. willing to jump out and go, yeah, of course, hi, and and meet someone. Absolutely. Um, I think we. I had this conversation with one of the partners when I was, uh, in like when they interviewed me for the position, and we sort of together established that it was a big advantage that I was a woman and I was building uh, community and building relationships within this community of, say, eighty percent male. Um, and I think that was that was definitely true. It was also sort of terrifying coming in and be like the only woman in the house of three hundred yeah. people. I'm guessing it's also tough as well, right? Because uh, is that did you was it coming into like a bro culture? 
did you feel and and you kind of had to change that or you know just being ignorant around it and, and looking to see you know it, it, was it the fact that you were a female that could could transcend this divide or i think it was more like bringing in a different dynamic mm-hmm. because we know for a fact that that both women and, and men change behavior when the opposite sex is in the room um and when you're a crowd of predominantly men and then a woman steps into the room the dynamic changes and i think that was one of the the first advantages um Mm. that i came across when like joining this co-working space um was it like people like just froze in the room when you walked in? Like, oh no, we have to do it. But subconsciously, I'm guessing in in that sense of how then the the mindset would change and you kind of act differently. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, but with that, you know, was it the case of you were doing events at the beginning and, and no one was turning up, or was it tough? I'm guessing. To there was definitely a transition phase when we also had to get them used to, like community events going on they had already established the community breakfast which was the first wednesday of every month so that was established already and they already had like a quarterly uh gin and tonic friday bar so that was also established and they were building up the the infamous gin and tonic bars had already been started true yeah Yeah. (laughs) so so there were a few elements to work with but I had to sit down and, and talk with these guys and ask them, so what are your preferences? What are your interests? What would you like the community to contribute with? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any specific topics you would like us to address in a workshop setting? Could be anything. Uh, so I sat down with like, I think 20 different entrepreneurs of the, or 20 different founders of the companies and, and asked them like, what do you want? What does your uh, employees want? And try and see if we can find like a tendency was there like a specific topic that they were interested in would they like to sit down with their fellow ceos Mm. over lunch and if we arrange that should it have content or should it just be a chat about what are your weekend plans and should it be weekly should it be monthly should it be i don't know semi-annually or Mm -hmm. what should it be um so there was a lot of getting to know them and finding out their interests. And then by then automatically also putting community uh, into the awareness of, of these people. Um, so baking in from the very beginning of what they wanted, as opposed to saying, these are the things that we have and you should attend to all of them uh, and kind of tailoring it to, to that specific community. Absolutely. Could you take that same those same elements and put it somewhere else or would you have to go through the same process again so you take it through with the members at the very beginning of what they're looking for and it could be something completely different would that be the case i 100 percent believe that you can't copy paste elements of one co- co-working space to another or one community to another community because it's very much based on the people present at any point in time so if I was to establish a new community at a new place, I would have to start all over. Mm-hmm. But I've also started over several times over the course of the three years that I was with uh, this co-working space. Mm-hmm. Because ever so often the community or the the dynamics or the structures of the community changes because some startups move out or they move in mm-hmm. um, and then they bring different energies. 
And that's when, if say for half a year, we did a lot of content workshops because those were very popular. And then we saw that people stopped attending. So we, I had to sort of go back and see, okay, maybe the energy changed. Maybe it's because the startups that used to join the workshops moved out, but someone new came in. And maybe they were more um, keen on joining parties. So maybe we should make more parties. Um, Or was it, could it also be in the cases that you you kind of run a series on a particular topic? They then understand that topic and then they feel that they want to move on from that as well. Could that be a a mix of of how it is? Or or was it actually just people moving in and and going out of the the space on a regular basis that you had to manage? Um, it's It's a combination of both, I would say. Because if you also say if we took the quarterly Friday bar and we made it... Uh, monthly instead or maybe um, bi-weekly then not that many people would show up we know from from experience that if people can say to themselves oh but there's another one next friday so it's fine i go home then nobody shows up whereas if it's rare enough and it's um the content is good enough that they don't want to miss out because there's like three months to the next one or I might miss out on this one and it's very important for me or my business, then yeah. people will show up. So it has to be important enough, but it also can't be mm-hmm. frequent, too frequent. Yeah. Does that make sense? Maybe it doesn't. Uh, no, it does. I mean, <laughs> so, sorry, I was, you can't see me here, everyone, but I'm writing a few notes there just <laughs> scribbling in. But I mean, ultimately, is that is that balance there... Um, the process of of then the dynamic of having to always continually keep on changing so community isn't something where you can just uh, look at something see what's needed build it and then run it it's then running it then looking at it and building it and yeah. executing every single time so you're kind of building it into sprints but it's unlike a business or a product life cycles you don't know when those sprints are going to end true and you have to yeah. keep on changing those each and every time yeah um I mean, that also must be tough to, to, to look and see because, you know, you, you feel that you kind of build a great product as such, which could be a, a mix or a, a workshop. Then all of a sudden, then the metrics are changing. Yeah. Is that something that, that, that you looked at as, because you, it seems like you had a lot of data also to kind of plug into seeing, well, actually people aren't turning up already. I mean, that's we've, a very clear data point. <laughs> we've never been data driven whatsoever. Okay. So we actually don't have any data. This is purely based on gut feeling mm-hmm. and standing there with a speaker and a meeting room and drinks and snacks and then nobody shows up yeah um so it's 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 100 percent based on experience and how much does data then play into this in into building communities i mean is it an important factor of if you just look at numbers and say well actually then we can change it this way or is you're saying is it actually it's like an art of a science yeah. or the science of an art. Is that, which way around is that? <laughs> Wait, I'm not sure. Um, but in the sense of where does that balance come in? It would definitely be cool to be able to like pull some data on the existence or the structure of a community at any point in time. But since it's so based on gut feeling and personality and vibes and energy and dynamics, 
it's very difficult to 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 get data out of that unless you yeah. you do like a what a weekly or monthly survey but people don't have time or they don't want to find time to fill in the survey so and and also it's typically the people that are most satisfied or most dissatisfied that fill in the survey so you yeah. never get that middle person General anyway consensus. yeah i mean <laughs> I'm guessing it's tough because I think in, in this world of, of co-working um, and the co-working spaces in general, it, um, that must be a very tough industry to, to, to be in mm -hmm. no matter what. Um, subletting a large unit into to multiple units um, comes with the hurdles that come along with it. Maybe we can talk a little bit later on the show about you know, co-working itself and, and your take on, on WeWork and, and how those guys went up to because they built a community. Sure. They built a community from the very inside of their organization. And and people say it's a shambles, it was a failure. Well, okay, ultimately is that they also ran for the last nine years and they've been running as an organization and, and building that up. Mm -hmm. I mean, with that in mind, I mean, Actually, let's talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, don't we? Whilst we're here, and whilst we have the opportunity, I mean, like, so with that, this is a case of probably where we saw community going too far, would you say? Is there a thing of going too far with the community? Um, I think as long as you just have your heart in it, you can't go too far. Um, oh, that's a very tough question. Do you feel that the founders of we or we work had their heart in it in the right place I'm i've never actually spent a minute in a we work co-working space so you're putting me on the spot yeah. but I've spent like three <laughs> or four minutes right but i mean like looking from the outside in looking at the story yeah. of, of where you kind of see and you can kind of hear and also then taking back to your experience of on a much smaller scale of course mm -hmm. how does that look i mean like you know is that a case of taking it too far? Like, would you see if the founders uh, of the organization made that you no one in the office could could order meat, mm. or that they had to, you know, stipulations? Is that taking the community to to a point, or? Yeah, you might have a point. Uh, it's definitely a challenge when you scale your community to the extent that WeWork has done, mm -hmm. where you open. A we work on every corner, just like Starbucks, um, and also give people the opportunity of swinging in and out of offices, as they would buy their coffee at Starbucks. No. Um, so I think it's difficult to build a community or solid community in each and every single space um, because people are so in and out focused. Um, but I think what they've done branding wise is amazing because everybody is shaking by the sound of we working and we work entering a new market. Mm -hmm. um, I know for a fact that some of the co-working spaces that we have in here in Copenhagen are terrified for the arrival of WeWork mm -hmm. and have had conversations like we need to build a community now because we need to stand stronger when WeWork enters. Um, and that's a wrong mindset because obviously you can't build a community overnight and mm -hmm. you can't build it. You can't force it because we work is coming. You got to build it from the heart. Um, and because it, it has a higher purpose. Um, so we work has obviously done something really cool 
about their brand and the community that comes with it. Um, but is it really that wholeheartedly when you enter? I have no experience, but I've heard a few people say that there's not that sort of loving community. Um, it's more the community of being a part of WeWork in general, but there's mm -hmm. not that local community. Is it then two different types of entrepreneurs that, that would utilize these spaces in, in that sense? Because the community that you talk about is kind of like, I would say is there month in, month out, and they're there for the long term as well. And you're seeing then the, the needs and the trends and the wants of these people on a daily, hourly basis. The model of WeWork means that you can flit in and out of any office mm. anywhere in the world and it looks the same, it smells the same and it has the Hilton stamp and say, like, as you mentioned, Starbucks. Like with that process, I mean, is it even possible then to scale it and, and keep it up? Or is it just the fact that we're just keeping two separate pockets for, for two different people? Because I think that that's where it's very hard to, to have that, that line in between. Yeah, you're absolutely right. A hundred percent. I think they they attract different um, entrepreneurs or mm -hmm. different companies. Yep. Um, and I know that when WeWork has entered markets that Talent Garden has already uh, been established on, Talent Garden hasn't lost uh, a whole lot of members to WeWork, which mm. means they stay for the community. Obviously, yeah. because why wouldn't you want to move to WeWork? Because it's this huge brand and you know, so you've heard so much good stuff about it and you have access to this global network of co-working spaces. But if if community is, is a big factor for you, then you want to stay where you're at because you know that WeWork doesn't, WeWork doesn't have a, such a strong community. So I definitely think it's like two different um, target groups. Um, one for WeWork and then one for the more community, local community focused, uh, long-term uh, yeah. startups. It, that's an interesting point. You, you mentioned with WeWork coming in to Copenhagen um, or other cities where, where things are established. How do you see the co-working space developing over the next two, three years? Because we've seen a momentous rise of co-working spaces. I think people, are, you know, developers are subletting co you know, spaces out, trying to be their own co-working space in random off streets of Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see this going? Is this too much? Will there be a, a bubble from this? Or um, it's difficult to say if there will be a bubble, um, but I see the tendency is going towards uh, more of like a hub focus. So, so startups and and corporates gather in hubs of fintech of food tech of health tech of sports tech um and then they join together in larger spaces or in incubators um with a focus like their own mm -hmm. um so that's that's definitely where i see the tendency going which is also a bit of a shame because it means you only get to sit with people that are within your own little niche mm -hmm. of tech and not the broader tech. So you only get like a narrow um, perspective on your issues or your community. Um, yeah. Whereas if you were in a greater community um, with 
insure tech, health tech, sports tech, um, fintech, whatever, then you get so much input from different And do you people. think it's then the, the perspectives from different industries that will help a, a startup or an entrepreneur more? Or would it actually be then, or, you know, should it not be the other way around where they should have the focus of what they're doing? I mean, it's two different kind of schools of thought, right? It absolutely is. I think if you have different industries or different um, verticals under one roof, then you're more likely to uh, see different perspectives or different takes on uh, how to do stuff. Um, because you might think that whatever you're doing is is good or is the right way to do it. But if you talk to your neighbor who's in a completely different vertical, a completely different industry, uh, he might have another take on that that you can actually learn from because you're not in the same path. Yeah. Um, Interesting to see. I mean, you know, so this hub and spoke model, I think, is, is growing, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, and, and we are moving towards a, a hub focus for, for a lot of things. And, you know, we've seen now... Just recently was the, the birthday, the three-year birthday for Copenhagen FinTech. Yes. And, you know, I think when that first started, it was a collection of people just saying, well, we need to do something. How do we do that? Um, I mean, then does that, is that where the community model is going in general? Because that's where entrepreneurship is going. We're seeing then more people kind of clustering together more. So, you know, when I, when I first came here, 12 years ago, it was very clustered. Everyone was doing their own thing and siloed even. Mm -hmm. that No one was talking to each other and people were just doing own bits and no one knew what was going on. We've brought it all together even to a, a point of where we, we took it to the extreme, not the extreme, but Copenhagen for the win mm -hmm. as a community and, and looking that as a, as a community exercise. We brought people together and then lost everyone at the same time. Mm -hmm. Maybe take you know give some of your thoughts on on how that kind of unfolded. If you're also in that process as well, working with the entrepreneurs and seeing this coming out, I it, I think you have a good point. I mean, from everything being clustered to then the the Copenhagen for the wind, the community that brings all startups and all entrepreneurs together uh, in one big community, and then scattering it out again in different co-working spaces and then try to build bridges between the co-working spaces yep. and build a community between the co-working spaces. And now building hubs, like several hubs within co-working spaces is also happening. Yep. Um, so it's like taking people, well, giving people the possibility of joining a co-working space and then have them cluster together in the co-working space. Yep. So it is like next level hop and spoke. Um, kind of the next movement. Oh, yeah. I think it's an interesting point to, to have. And I mean, like to see how, what is the the future. But I think what we can do there is take a quick break. And then afterwards, we'll, we'll jump right back into to how the community is and, and maybe look at some of your experiences on, on Copenhagen. Let's do that. Fantastic. Okay, and we're back here from the break with Sikalina still. And, you know, before the break, we, we touched upon a little bit with Copenhagen for the win and, and how the community is. And we were talking in between, but maybe we're going to ask this again. Like, 
Copenhagen for the win, I think, you know, has the ability, had the ability to bring absolutely every single member of the startup community, ecosystem together from venture capital to designers to developers to politicians. Is it a case of where you can just make a community too big, would you say? Or, or is it a case of where you know where you touched upon earlier on? It was too hard to serve all the separate needs for these people, so there was no kind of common thread or red thread to go with. Um, definitely, you you can definitely like build a community that's too big, so it gets out of hand, or and or it's it's too difficult to find the focus and to find the common ground between these people because it's simply too big. Mm-hmm. Um, but did it need to serve as that point of, of, of this kind of... Yes, it was a meeting point as such, like in terms of the community, but it was also informative mm. for, for people within the community as well. What are the events happening? What's going on? Some people sharing of what they're doing. I'm guessing the, the, that, that soapbox has been done pitching stages forever, but... This was a place you wanted to be if you had anything to do with startup. You wanted to join the town hall meetings. Yeah. And because you know this was where you could find a job. This was where you could get the recent startup pitches from whatever startups are relevant at the moment or new up and coming. You could find, you could meet venture capitalists. You could, like, you wanted to be there. So they definitely had huge success building that community in that setup um what went wrong is still something that i haven't figured out um, well, something went wrong ultimately is that you know i suppose you, you so went from monthly meetings to absolutely nothing yeah overnight and there was no communication there was no i don't know if the job board is still active or yeah it wasn't like a, a public uh noticing like we pulled the plug on Copenhagen for the win because xyz nothing uh which is why i'm also left <laughs> with like a huge question mark like what actually happened like where did where did it go it does it does it still exist is it does it have a new name are they still active is it just me that's being ignorant and not like knowing where they are yeah, I, I see that Copenhagen for the win. DK is um, dead as a page. I think that that's also part of it, and seeing you know, so it's it's tough to see. I think you know, it, I think so many great things came out from it as well, and you know, we got Tech Festival, true for example. I mean, that's an, another great event that we have here in in Denmark that that I think transcends upon the normal festival environment. So did it become an evolution? Would you say, and and then split out from that, could be, could be. Um, but I mean, and then that, I think it also ties back into to what you were mentioning earlier on, in, in that things change, dynamics change, and wants and needs change. But what happens when when you kind of take out kind of the, these driving forces, these kind of community hubs, and just remove that connection or that bridge? Because as you say, if you come in new. You're going to have to meet 350 people for the first time, say hello, say what your name is, and then go and have that conversation. How does that work? I mean, when you just kind of break that bridge and... It's it's super... Like, it's a very relevant question. Um, Also, because I 
had this experience just last week, but from the other side of the table. Mm. So someone pulled the plug on me being the driving force be- behind the community. Mm-hmm. And I think because you invest so much time and energy as a driving force in a community, you also feel like a part of your body is being torn out. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I believe the same thing happens for the community in itself when this driving force is is taken out of play. Mm-hmm. And you don't you no longer have this this person or this like organization like Copenhagen for the win to sort of gather people um, and drive people around uh, a topic or a no. purpose. Um, so I think when you when you take this organization or the person, the community manager, whatever, out of out of play, um, people have no clue. Like what what about what now? Like who do we no. who do I ask? Who do I call? Who do I like who who are now supposed to uh, host the town hall or host the breakfast? Or so it leaves a void, but ultimately, definitely. It, it, and as you're saying beforehand, it must be the right person, the right type of person that, that has to come in and step into that void, definitely, um, quick enough. Otherwise, it, it can become very difficult to, to kind of build from that. Um, you know, we touched upon the different parts of the, the, the community of where you kind of see it in the future. Um, what kind of things would you like to see happen in in the community here in Denmark? You know, if you had a magic wand to say, "Here's what we should have," do you think that we should go back to to having these big gatherings again and and kind of putting people together, or is it a case of it? We, they've done that, they tried that, and and now it needs to be this more selective community and, and kind of scattered, clustered approach. I think. You also mentioned a tech festival, and I think both tech festival and tech barbecue are doing a great job in on the like the larger level of the ecosystem. Well, they're doing a really bad name on the adjectives. I of, know. Of like, you know. They only went past tech. <laughs> that, they got to tech and went, okay, we'll find something after that. No, sorry, guys. <laughs> true, yeah. very true, very true. Um, but I love if we, I would love if we could bring back some of the vibe that that Copenhagen for the wind, the town hall meetings they had because it was informal. It was show up on this night, have a few beers, let's hear some pitches and then go mingle and network. Whereas both tech barbecue and, um, and tech festival are very content driven. Um, and they're very come listen. And then we do a bit of networking and then you go to the next workshop or presentation and, and tech barbecue is, somehow even worse because everybody's represented by stands Mm -hmm. and it is this awkward sales um situation where you feel like you're like people are trying to sell you stuff or sign to sell you a a desk in their co-working space or uh a job or like join us Uh, could be anything but it's just this awkward setup whereas the town hall meetings were very informal but they serve two different purposes, of course, Definitely. at the same time. But, yeah. And looking to see of of how you can you can represent. I, mm-hmm. I didn't think you could have a conference um, or an exhibition style event in in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Tech Barbecue really took that. Definitely. Um, they took it, you know, content focused, but then the exhibitions and and the stands are, are also necessary and a necessary part of I think of an event. Um, to some extent, either on the revenue side, but also on building it up and, and trying to get it. Because if you are building an event, what what should be 
got out of it when you go to an event what do you want to get out of it is it a lead is it you know is it um future business or would you just want to hang out and and could it be a mix of everything it definitely could i think when i join this these kind of events it's it's because i want to have a good time i don't want it to feel like i'm still working um so it's it's like an extension of my my jobs because it's it's basically the people that I work with that I also hang out with mm-hmm. at this informal setting. Um, so I want it to feel like I'm hanging out with my best friends and that I get to meet up with people that I don't see on a day-to-day basis because they work somewhere else in the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this, is the, this would be the town hall meeting um, or whatever the situation might be is the perfect setting for to just meet up and be like hey long time no see what have you been up to like (laughs) haven't seen you in a while so if you're listening anyone i think we should bring back the town hall in some way uh, and gather um across the spectrum though i think you know is it a case of where the guys at health do their own thing or fintech do their own thing no i think it's a case of actually just bringing everyone in yes and gathering again for the sake of the community absolutely so there you go there's an opportunity for anyone that's listening <laughs> right there we would love to we just can't um we'll oh, be there we'll, we'll have beers with you guys be there. <laughs> no matter what and i will also vote again like i did at the beginning i didn't vote for copenhagen for the win as a name i'm, I'm no branding for, for me it was a tough one uh, sure I'll, I'll this in a second but, you know, and i think in 2019 and soon 2020 like the 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 trend in terms of names is very different from where it was when Copenhagen for the win was founded so I think back then it was very on point in terms of branding and what do we call companies these days and now the trend is different so yeah. we might want to call it something else it's actually let's say when we talk about Copenhagen for the win and we talk about Copenhagen as the representation of Denmark probably far too often than not mm. how is it with other communities in and around Denmark. I mean, you know, the, the hubs of Aarhus, Aalborg. I don't think there's one in Esper. Probably not. I, I, I don't know. Again, it's a, this is Esper, if you're out there, call us. Yeah, let us know. If there's anyone <laughs> in Esper listening uh, that's not related to me or my family, then... <laughs> call me. Let us know, right? <laughs> Prove us wrong and we can break down another stereotype today. Um, you know, but... How does it, what does it take to, to kind of put these things on the map? You know, of course, it didn't help calling it Copenhagen and, and it represented Denmark. Great point. As to some extent. Um, um, it would, like, it, I think it also depends on wh- where do you want to take it. Like, do you want to take it on a national level? No. Um, because then, obviously, it should not be called Copenhagen for the win or just no. Copenhagen anything. Um, whereas if you give it a name that's relatable to anybody on a national level, it might help attract startups or the ecosystem from other cities. With that being said, I'm not sure that any um, event would be able to attract people from all over the country. Mm-hmm. for any given event so it would have to be like a pop-up in Copenhagen then a pop-up in Aarhus and then a pop-up in Ulensif probably um, because I'm not sure people would travel from Copenhagen to Aarhus just for events just for events or for this particular event so this event would probably 
do like a pop-up in Aarhus for everything relevant in Aarhus and then do a pop-up in Espia <laughs> for everything <laughs> uh, in Espia. I've upset like the three entrepreneurs in Espia <laughs> right now. This is... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but then I think this is also kind of seeing like, you know, as we... As Denmark looks to to kind of build itself out, it's a small nation itself, and it's not that geographically spread out. But if there are the difficulties of of finding entrepreneurs, and, and you kind of have the pockets over there. But it's also interesting to see that the, the entrepreneurs do also stay over mm. in Jutland, and Orbol, absolutely all the way up, and yeah. um, Aarhus. I mean, like, what do you think will drive it, or do, do you think it needs something to to, to be? in every single place or can there be something that will make a centralized push or does it i think what i'm trying to say is should we start decentralizing away from copenhagen and start making sure that everyone is represented does that need to start happening ah that's a that's such a good question and i have no idea because the three people in Espe right now are on tenterhooks <laughs> they really want this event to happen now <laughs> exactly um that's a very good question i think in terms of branding you want to build something that's centralized otherwise it's too scattered like you would never be able to uh to get the feeling of no. this actually having something to do with the two other events also um it brings back into community as well at the same yeah. time in that in that community feeling is it the um, can you replicate what you have in one particular location with another office location that's only 15 kilometers north let mm. alone 150 kilometers the other way because it's completely different mindsets as you said yeah. beforehand completely different wants and completely different needs yes it's going to be a red thread where it's going to look the same feel the same smell the same but ha you can definitely build a lot of successful communities but but as we've also touched upon before is that um they will all be very local so you can you can give this the setup and you can set the frame for a community, but the actual community won't be like a one to one copy paste between these spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so you could build a really thriving community in Copenhagen, and you can build a just as thriving community in Aarhus, but the red thread between them could be difficult to spot. Wow. Um, because on a local level, they're both like highly thriving, mm -hmm. but are do they have anything to do with each other? Yeah. And yeah, so I think community plays a big, big part into everything that kind of has been successful in, in the Danish scene at the very least with the Nordic level and bringing that together. Of course, the awards is a, another one of them, but um and that happens once a year and people then gather into different spaces and kind of celebrate the scene. But what does the community need, do you think, from now on? Well, what do you think really will take communities into to kind of being really successful and thriving? Is it knowledge sharing? Is it learning? Is it workshops? Is it, what? what is it? It's definitely knowledge sharing because I, we, can, we can learn so much from each other. And I think that's one of the things that, we used in the Talent Garden Network is that we, the community managers, we met up um, several times over the course of a year to do 
basic knowledge sharing. So even within yourselves, you, you kind yep. of built that and said, hey, actually, this stuff really, really works over here. Yep. We've just tried this and someone suggested that you should do this on Thursday. Yeah. It might not work in your location, mm -hmm. but keep it in mind, maybe it'll work or maybe it'll inspire you to do something, to think out of the box, basically. So it's not just about taking concepts that work in location A and then copy it to location B. It's more like the community managers of both locations sitting down together and inspiring each other mm -hmm. to try new stuff and uh, try to engage with the members in a different way than what they've been used to. And is that important for, for, for building that community element of, of just engaging in new things? And like, you can't just, again, say copy and paste and, and keep on doing, but you have to keep evolving even what you have yeah. as well. It, it must be really tough as, as a community manager because it, you know, you're just saying that you just left and a bit of you feels that you've been kind of ripped away. You kind of have to really give and give and, and give as, as a community manager. And sometimes you don't get those smiles back. Yeah. It must be tough. I mean. It really, really is. You give so much of yourself. Like you invest your whole life, your soul, your heart to these people in this community. Um, and I've basically like it's been like my whole life for the past three years. Mm -hmm. um, it's also what make me jump out of bed in the morning because I have I have to go and be with these people. Yeah. So it gives me a lot of energy. So you got to be a person that gets energy from being surrounded by these kind of people or like the people that you really, yeah. really like and care about. Um, and... But it, but it is. It does take a lot of energy. I like prefer not to meet anybody like <laughs> like getting to work and uh like biking to work and biking from work i'd prefer being alone so that's your time right <laughs> that's yeah, my that's time you, you personal yeah. time yeah. in between the yeah the two so like weekends how how is that is that like you know you don't want to meet sunglasses on <laughs> yeah. and like, like you know go all and afford like in, in the shawls is that <laughs> i do the full celebrity uh <laughs> full pap look exactly. right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, you don't want to meet me. Of course, if I meet you on a weekend, I'd say hi to you and I'll be nice. But I prefer not meeting people that I know from a work setting on weekends because that is my that that is my private time. Okay, so you yeah. so basically the rule is is that you you can say hello, give a nice high five, <laughs> but don't you dare ask when the next mixer is or what's happening yep. at this point or any other logistical <laughs> bits that are pertinent to work that can wait until Monday. Yeah, that, that's the rule, yeah. right? So yeah. you still give them a hug and high five. That's of course, <laughs> that's my personality. I I, I I wouldn't know how to do otherwise, but I'm a hundred and twenty percent there when i'm there yeah but when i'm not i'm very private it must be tough as well then like you know in and so you've given yourself to this organization to this being for the last three years yeah it's like having another partner yep how does that affect then you finding a love life is that is that you know <laughs> is that, uh, i'm not asking this if a sexist question just like you know someone else said to me yesterday they, they turned single for the first time in, in this new world of tech but i mean like is it do you, do you then have to date within the tech scene or do you date, date outside the tech scene? I asked him this yesterday and he's like, outside, completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that, that, 
That's a very good question. Um, I have tended to date only uh, within the scene, primarily because that's the only men that I've been exposed to. <laughs> because I have invested a good part of my life for the past two years to this house and to these people and to this ecosystem. Um, and I don't do Tinder because Tinder sucks. <laughs> so, so who else am I being exposed to yeah. other than the ecosystem? In, but in that sense, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's that it, it must be so tough because there is so much things you, you kind of have to do on a regular basis and, and, and even having a life is very difficult with, especially when communities involved because that's not just nine to five mm. community doesn't happen between those working hours mm -hmm. it happens at all moments and all times and, and you as a person then i'm guessing had to schedule a lot of your life around these other bits true um more so than a, a shift worker for example yeah in that my but i also very early on made it a priority and i suffer from fear of missing out so of course i wanted to join all the parties i wanted to join all the events i wanted to be at all the the meetups and stuff uh because i was very afraid of missing out um so i made it a priority to structure my entire life around my job and around the community that i was building um i'm not sure i did it 100 consciously but it just it happened do you feel that you it needed to happen in order to fulfill the role properly in this you know it, the developer may also do that in some ways where they'll work late at nights or mm. you know a designer goes the, the extra you know no i think a lot of it didn't happen because i made it it wasn't a decision to invest so much of myself it just happened mm -hmm. like slowly i gave more and more of myself to this role not because i wanted to succeed but because that was i guess what i felt was the nature of my role yeah. and what i wanted to invest in it and and now reflecting back i should have probably invested a little less of myself mm -hmm. but then again that was ex like investing that much was also what made me a success and the community a success so it is a bit it's, it's difficult to to come up with a like a fixed answer um yeah. because it is it is a, like a, a balance of how much do you want to invest and it and i know for a fact that i've had colleagues uh community manager colleagues that haven't been able to invest that much of themselves um and sadly it's just never been that much of a success if it's because of that yeah. i don't know um but it's just so important when you become the central um person or the 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 person running this community that you're also very much invested in it yeah it's it's also really interesting to look and see because you're the one that's also on the the front line as well mm. with what is ultimately the customer uh, in this relationship and you're the one that is that has that interaction and we had Bob Young um, the other week uh, on on a show and, and he talked about if you take that model of the hierarchy of the CEO being at the top all the way down to the customer success manager that you customer support manager that you hired last week where's the customer on this ultimately it's at the very bottom of that mm. pyramid 
Mm. So if you flip that the other way around and look to see, well, then who then becomes the most important person in your organization? Ultimately, it's the one that has to deal with that customer or um, potential customer on a regular basis. Absolutely. Um, and finding that that fit. Um, and I think it's so hard and tough to, to look and see that it is such a tough role. I think it, you, you have to give so much of you, you and yourself personally in order for it to make it work. But also, uh, could it be that... Um, yeah, you're saying that basically you can't do it half-assed. There is no way of doing it half in and half out mm-hmm. in order to really make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a tough one for you. And so, but with that moving forward, what are the next steps for you? What are the questions? And I think there's a big question mark. I've got a feeling with the look on your face. <laughs> there is a huge question mark. See, I know that I want to work with communities again because you Um, have the opportunity now to to kind of rewrite yourself in in that sense where you can go i can go i would like to do this yeah and i think it's also a rare opportunity that we we see in the space as we delve away from community but yeah if you had a again a magic one what would you like to see i did a huge reinvention of myself when i got this job Mm -hmm. in the beginning like three years ago so i'm a huge fan of reinventing myself like ever so often and now i have a i have a chance to do it again um so it's it's the opportunity of taking everything that i know i love to do and that i like to do um and then hopefully take it up a level uh i'd love to work with myself again as a central person in whatever that might be um i'd love to be the face of something again and be able to have a relationship with people on a daily basis mm-hmm. Um, and and build the like being the human networker between people. I have a huge network. So could you um, could you just dedicate yourself to just one person, just networking through it, or you <laughs> should be like Pilar Agnes and, and all the way throughout? For, no, for I'll be single or. for the rest of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would never be able to. If there's any cat shelters uh, listening at this moment in time, you can uh, put someone on your list for no. <laughs> and I don't like cats. Okay, yeah. any dog shelters? No. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Sikalina, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, I'm really glad we had the chance to sit down and, and go through it and talk about community in all different aspects. Um, so, and say thank you again. And uh, I really look forward to that we can sit down and, and do this next time. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks again to Sikalina for joining us and sharing her experiences. It's amazing to hear how much you have to give to really make a community thrive. And even when you've got the numbers, the hard work that needs to be done to continue that momentum. If you've come this far, thanks for listening all the way through. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe to let others know about us as well. Until next time, I'm James Digby and you've been listening to the Danish Game Changers podcast by Startup42 Media.